It's time for the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores. Capital Mazda, Stevens Creek Mazda, Concord Mazda, and Team Mazda. Hey, it's Shondell Grand. And right now we've got a huge selection of brand new Mazdas with exciting spring incentives across our entire lineup. Plus, you can buy your new Mazda completely online with our exclusive no-brainer checkout. Don't miss the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores in San Jose, Concord, and Vallejo. We're getting you ready for the game on The Build-Up with news from around the league, interviews, highlights, and more. Here's your host, Ted Ramey. All right, good morning and good afternoon, everyone, as we're here on The Build-Up before the Sharks' final home game of the year. A 1 o'clock start hosting the Edmonton Oilers, Connor McDavid in town, and the San Jose Sharks uh, looking to make life difficult for the Oilers as they head to the playoffs. Although we did not have too many great moments for the San Jose Sharks this year, I will say that, you know, on many of those nights, the packed houses at SAP Center, the Marlowe ceremony, the Marlowe night, some of those other big games that we had this year with some great crowds, it was always fantastic uh, to be at the tank. And I know that there has been a lot of talk about people being in on Bedard and wanting to lose as many games as possible, but you would never have known that by being inside SAP Center. So for the fans that were there at SAP Center all year long, I thank you for making it one of the most incredible environments in sports. Um, just every night, you know, even if it was not a huge crowd, still very loud, very much a boisterous atmosphere. Loved seeing it all year long, and I can't wait till we're back at it again in the fall, getting ready for another season of Sharks hockey. And I think that's the most amazing thing that I keep on coming back to lately. It's that we're all looking forward for what the team can do next year. And it feels like we have been for a while because we see a lot of potential. We just don't like the current reality right now where they're mired in a bad season with too much losing and not enough good moments and not enough really things that you can go out and celebrate. Like, yeah, we're, we're at the end. We've been through it. We're looking forward to the future. And yeah, one way or another, the Sharks are going to have, you know, some new fun prospects coming into this organization. We've just got to see who it's going to be. Beyond that, I think we're entering another interesting offseason to see what exactly the Sharks are going to do with any number of situations, free agency. Obviously, that's a little bit of a ways off. But, you know, as we get to the end of the home games, we are starting to look ahead to what is going to be coming up next for the San Jose Sharks. Unfortunately, it's a whole lot of downtime as they watch the playoffs happen before we enter the true offseason. So, to talk about a lot of what we've seen from the San Jose Sharks, we are now joined by Shalena Goldman, who covers the Sharks for NHL.com. Shalena, what's going on? How are you doing? I'm doing well, buddy. How are you? I'm doing very well. We are uh, in the in the build-up to the last home game of the year and then three on the road, and I've been making uh, end-game Avengers jokes for about a week now. And, you know, I guess at this point, you know, we do wonder whether or not the Sharks are shooting themselves in the foot by playing better hockey and maybe not getting that top tier pick overall. Like, how, how do you view that right now? Well, David Quinn's actually addressed this a few times, um, you know, before and after games, because um, he and he's even said that fans have you know yelled things at them as they've been winning because everyone's been on the tank for draft picks kick for the better part of the season. He yeah. goes, no, we're competitors and we want to win. And I'm sure that he will stand by that no matter what. But you do have to think that maybe on the business side, they're like, oh, this doesn't put us in the best position. Um, however, uh, just because they're not in that, you know, in that spot to get Connor Bedard necessarily, doesn't, that, that doesn't mean that, I mean, there are other 
there, there are other really good prospects out there that they can get. Um, but it is interesting at, you know, it's almost, almost immediately after they were out of playoff contention, they brought up some of the Barracuda and started playing really well. So it is, it's just, it's been a weird season overall. And this is kind of capped off how bizarre it's been. The one thing that I do always remind people is, is like there is, even if they get the worst record, you know, the lowest number of points, that doesn't guarantee the number one pick either. And so, you know, any, anything can happen. And that's why I've always kind of been of the mind of like, okay, like maybe it would be best, your best chance. I was like, but I just, I don't know. Like, I, I think that like sometimes a culture of losing can set in with teams. Like you look at how long some of the rebuilds have taken for other teams and other sports. And like, sometimes that just, it becomes the norm. And even though like the plan was to get the high draft picks and any number of sports, like it doesn't always work out. Like that's the, that's the thing that I temper the, the excitement of the generational talent. It's like, well, you know, let's go around every sport and start thinking about the, the tanks and, you know, not intentional, obviously, but let's think about those rebuilds that just haven't panned out. And then they've just been a bad team for a long time. I've been talking about this with readers and with fans for the better part of this season. And I've even asked again and again, you know, just because they have the worst record, like you just said, that doesn't guarantee that they're getting the top pick, you know, with how, you know, with how the, uh, with how the lottery works. And there also isn't, even when you do have a generational talent, like, you know, like a player like Bedard, um, you know, how long does it take for his game to translate to the NHL level? Um, just because he's there doesn't mean that the rest of the team, you know, follow, you know, automatically changes overnight. Look what mm -hmm. happened in Edmonton. I've had a couple of people try to say, oh, well, you know, once the Oilers, you know, got McDavid, the, the Oilers were still bad right after McDavid yeah. came up. Uh, I mean, they were they were super top heavy. It was him on that top line. And that was kind of it for, you know, I think they got I mean, they 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 kind of eked their way into the playoffs but there was still a lot of dysfunction and they weren't perfect so i do understand i have asked i have gone you know on social media and i have asked fans i said okay what is it ab about you know losing these games and getting this particular pick and a couple of them have said you know after a season like this we just want to look forward to something we want mm -hmm. you know you know because it's hard when you you know eat, sleep, and breathe a sport and love this team so much as a fan and they don't play well. So I do understand that aspect, but I don't, I also think you should be looking at it. And, and you know, and fans who are so, so, so into the sport and look at, and look at other prospects, you know, there are other people coming up in the uh, draft. So don't put all of your eggs into one basket. Yeah. I mean, that's, the, that's, that's the thing though. It is hard though for the fans. <laughs> like I've had this discussion with people, who have said, oh, well, you know, why are they winning? And I'm like, you know, when the Sharks scored that game-winning goal in overtime, um, you know, it didn't, it, you know, everybody in that building sounded pretty fired up for it. And I think that's that's the other right. comparison as well, is like there's the fans who are in the building, there's the fans who are not in the building. And, you know, I just, I, I think that it's always just, you have this weird juxtaposition of the future versus the here and now. If you're there at a game, you want to see the Sharks perform well, and that's the hardest thing is like, you do feel like there has been hope interjected along the way um, of this season where you've seen some of these young players, Daniil Gushin came up and played well. You've seen Kevin LeBanc and Noah Gregor take great strides in their game. Um, but you do wonder, it's like, well, how does this all translate? And what are the moves the team is going to make? Because even though the Sharks team has been competitive all year, which I appreciate, you know, the, the, the record doesn't lie. Like even if they weren't getting blown out, even if they were having a lot of, painful late and overtime losses like they still didn't win like that's 
that's the hardest corner to turn. And I don't know what that timeline is like either because, and this is something we've heard about the Sharks, haven't given a specific timeline. And I think that's probably wise of Mike Greer. But even when we talked to him after the deadline, he was not going to say how many you know seasons or how long he expected. Um, and before uh, this season, he said we might have to take a step back to take a step forward. So I think that kind of adds to it as well as nobody really knows what the expectations are of when they expect the Sharks to be contending again. And Greer wrote even used the word rebuild when, you know, when we talked to him right after the trade deadline, um, it actually, it wasn't even the end of the deadline. It was right after Timo Meyer was traded and um, someone asked him just, you know, just, you know, up front, is this team in a rebuild? And he wouldn't commit to using that word even. So I do see what you're saying there. And I do agree that maybe not having a timeline and well, he's smart not to set a specific timeline because you don't know what's going to happen with injuries and, you know, and other trades happening down the road and, you know, and, and, you know, and other signings. And so I do understand the not wanting to give a specific timeline, but I also agree with what you said that having um, that mystery and not knowing um, you know, exactly how long this could go on for. I do think that that can make some fans pretty nervous. What do you think about the improved play of Kevin LeBanc? Because, you know, we saw Bob Bugner sit him down. We saw Pete DeBoer sit him down. But David Quinn took the longest time. Like, he, I think he missed like 16 out of 18 games or something like that. And he saw, um, you know, LeBanc come out on the other side better. He hasn't even been, been taking as many bad penalties, which was a big issue with his game previously. Do you think this is something that can carry over from one season to the next? I certainly hope it will. I've covered Kevin, you know, the entire time he's been here. Um, he's a good player. He's a good guy. And he does put the work in. And this was something kind of going into this season, really wanting to see him improve and make strides. He didn't do that right away. Um, and when you're, when you're at practices and you know that he's working, but you still see him taking the goofy penalties and, um, it's kind of getting in, into his own way and in, 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 um, in a way, excuse me, um, it is sort of one of those things where it's like, gosh, like, is he ever going to grow up? Is he ever going to learn what David Quinn did this season? Um, I, that that really got into LeBanc's head, and I think that really worked. And watching him um, and Gregor have, you know, this really a strong end to end to their season it's it's really it's really refreshing it's really nice to see in, in a season when so much is has gone wrong it's nice to see that improvement let's talk about Noah Gregor as well because he's a guy who's obviously playing for a contract and we've seen him um, make more additions to his game this year he's been on the penalty kill we've seen him out there and a little bit on the power play and then three and three in overtime um, you know is he in terms of a value and depth type player combined with his, you know, elite speed, do you think that he's a guy who's going to earn another year with the San Jose Sharks? Because he, like we saw, got an extended sit down from David Quinn. But it seems that since that point, he's been a much better player. And, you know, David Quinn's been pretty complimentary of his game. Yeah, it's um, sort of similar to what happened with Kevin LeBanc this season as well. It, uh, you know, he, he I think he was on a longer leash and then, Quinn finally, you know, and then Quinn finally, you know, worked with him. And um, the organization obviously likes Gregor a lot, but I do think it was, it has been something where he needed to add other dimensions to, uh, to his game. 
because he's had this great speed ever since he very first came up. He's a really, really fast player, but he's hasn't always played as well on the other end of the ice. Mm-hmm. And so I am, you've, you, you have seen him add, you know, those other aspects to his game. And I think that helps. And, um, you know, moving forward, because they're not, you know, I mean, the Sharks have like, I don't know, like six RFAs, you know, you know, you know six players who are bound to be, R, you know, RFAs. You have three or four UFAs. Um, so they're not getting rid of everybody. Um, I think down the stretch here, if he can continue to play this more two-way game that he has been playing over over the last stretch, that there's more of a chance that he'll stay. What's your thoughts on the goalie situation going forward? I would imagine that James Reimer, his contract's up, probably not going to be back. The Kapokakinen's got another year left. Um, and, you know, this is something the Sharks, you know, have not been able to do is develop that next generation of goalie. Where do you think they, they go? I mean, do they... I, Obviously, I, I think that some of the defensive structure in front of Capo this year wasn't great, and he has had some very good performances. So I have a hard time looking at the reality. It's like, are Capo's numbers more on him or on the defense in front of him? I think that's been the hardest thing this year to try and wrap my head around him. I think it's been a little bit of both as far as him. Um, it's really funny. I was thinking before I came on to talk to you how we talked at the very beginning of the season because the Sharks had so many goalies and it's like, oh, what are they <laughs> going to do? You know, they're going to have the same and just and be at this point now. It's it's just so insane. It's like, are they even going to have a goalie? Um, it's I think as far as Capo goes, I think it's a mix of both. I think. I don't think the defense in front of him has always been super solid. Um, and But I also think that his confidence got rattled pretty early on in the season, and he's had a hard time kind of working out of that. Um, he if, Once he gets out of his own head, he can play a really, really strong game. But I think mm-hmm. that's something um, that he, you know, that's something for him to work on. That's But there's also, you know, the defense in front of him. That's, you know, I think they let him down, and they, they know that. So... Um, and then as far as Reimer goes, I mean, Reimer even said right off the trade deadline that he had kind of hoped to have been traded to a contending team. So I think his, his tenure, well, his second tenure with the Sharks is probably over. Yeah. And then Eric Carlson obviously has been out of this world. He's on the verge of scoring a hundred points. He's at 98 on the year. And I know all the talk has been about how, you know, they were trying to trade him. There were talks and there's still talks about it going into this off season. But to me, if I'm, you know, if I'm a general manager or if I'm, you know, front office of a team and I say, wait, you want to re- me to retain how much salary on a player who's in the conversation for MVP on a team that's at the bottom of the standings? Like I, like that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me because it, to me, like, yes, his goal scoring might go down next year, but we've watched the stick handling. We've watched the passing all year long. Like these things seem like, it's not just like him having a career year. The goal scoring, yes, but everything else he's been doing, especially on a on a bad team, like that makes it seem like it's all the more sustainable. Exactly. And we talked about this earlier in the season, even. You saw last season he had you know, he had adjusted some things in his game. He had come in really strong, and then that really got derailed between a couple COVID stints and then he was injured. Um, he's just, he approaches his game differently now. And it's been so, you know, in, on, on, on a season, you know, excuse me, during a season where not a lot of things are going right to watch him evolve his game and come back and have, you know, and, you know, and go on this quest for a hundred points. It's fantastic. And even with all of the talk, I mean, cause 
trade talk started really early this season, you know, when the <laughs> report came out that everybody was getting traded and that he was one of them. But one of the things to remember, and you mentioned, you know, how much salary would be re- retained. Um, he's not an easy chip to move. Yes, a lot of teams would want him and his goal scoring in their, you know, in their lineup. However, moving him is not easy. And let and you know, and as you just said, um, you know, they would the Sharks would, would be retaining so much salary and to be at the bottom of you know and to be at the bottom of the standings and need to retool your lineup you don't want to have that on you know on on um on your books and so even once this offseason starts if you know that's an option to move from that's still going to be a pain to do again we're talking with shalina goldman here on the build up on the sharks audio network um heading into these final couple of games Obviously, you know, you're going to have your your big takeaways from the season. Like what what's your if you were to write, you know, an article summarizing the season, what's your big headline? What's your big, you know, 30,000 foot takeaway? It's one of my biggest things looking at this season. It's because as bad as their record is, a lot of those games, they weren't completely you know, they weren't completely out of it. And that actually for most of the games, you know, if you take away the, you know, pretty much every game against Colorado with, you know, with the, you know, except for Tuesday when, you know, they actually took it to overtime. Mm-hmm. There, there, there were, there were very few games where the Sharks got completely blown out. There was a lot of, they had a lead and they lost it. There was a lot of, they tied it up late, but still lost in overtime. Um, you know, it was, there, there was a lot of, this team isn't, it wasn't completely down and out, but it was a lot of, they're just short. Yeah. And I saw that I saw that a lot. It was um, either they couldn't get that last goal or they couldn't prevent the other team from scoring that last goal. There was a lot of that going on. And it was more frustrating than anything else. It's frustrating. I know that fans were frustrated. I know that players were frustrated. We know David Quinn was incredibly frustrated. It's also kind of frustrating to watch as a reporter who's who, you know, has who has covered this team for a long time when you you know, watch everybody practice when you talk to these guys and you know how hard that they're working. It's like, okay, what is going on? So it was, <laughs> um, you know, writing the headlines off the top of my head is probably isn't my strongest suit, which is why I'm never going to be an isn't ed- why I'm never going to be an editor. <laughs> but um, so just something to the fact that it just just so it just that they were just so close constantly. They were just so so close, and then would fall short. Yeah. Well, I, I mean. Sharks fall short then. Maybe there's your headline. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Ted. Yes, you're like, thank you, Ted, for being a simple idiot. They came thank up with you. the right with the right, <laughs> yeah, the right headline and three, you know, two few words. But uh right. well, Goldman, I will let you go. And uh it's always a pleasure having you on. Enjoy the last couple of games of the season. Then I'm I'm sure we will all be in the scrums for the uh the locker room clear out day and we'll have a little bit more to talk about then. Sounds good, Ted. Thank you. Again, that was Shalana Goldman of NHL.com joining us here on the buildup. As we take a look ahead at the upcoming road trip, Monday afternoon at 4, they are in Winnipeg. Wednesday night at 7, taking on Calgary. And then Thursday night at 6 against Edmonton. All those games are going to be right here on the Sharks Audio Network. And then we'll get ready for the offseason. Of course, we'll have coverage, as you heard me allude to, with Goldman about um, you know the locker room clean-out day and the final media appearances of the year. That'll be something that we'll want to get to, obviously. But in these final four games, I, you know, wins, losses, let's see what happens. More than anything, I just want to see the Sharks play the caliber of hockey that I know they are capable of playing. 
Whether or not that leads to wins, that'll be something altogether different. But you're coming off of what was a, a bad loss against Colorado the other night, who have been a bad matchup for the Sharks ever since they beat him in the playoffs back in 2019. But, you know, losing 6-2 isn't fun. If I'm going to lose, I'd rather it be by one goal. I'd rather it be a close game late as opposed to giving up four goals and going down 4-1 after having a short lead. That was that was not as much fun. So make it entertaining, and I will be happy. All right, we are out of time. I will see you all tomorrow morning on Morning Tide. For the San Jose Sharks, I'm Ted Ramey signing off. This podcast can be found for download under Sharks Hockey Digest on iTunes, Google, and Spotify. And on demand anytime on the Sharks Plus SAP Center app presented by Western Digital. All music by Yogi Yen.